Good morning, everyone, and welcome to another edition of Coffee with Casey, where today we're going to talk about the changes that are going on in the real estate market. And, and these are changes that are not, that are going to change real estate forevermore. We're not coming back to the old way. Um, good changes. I mean, very, very good changes. It's kind of forced, uh, it has forced us to take another dynamic step in the evolution of real estate. And we're gonna talk about how that's gonna help sellers, uh, help realtors, help buyers. So very, very powerful. And I'm not talking about the new way you do open houses and virtual open houses and how buyers find their houses on real estate. That has not changed, nor will it change. For the last 15 years, buyers have found their houses on real estate. We found the best way to do it is multiple pictures, beautiful custom websites, much better than movies, much better than 3D houses. So we've already, we've already solved that issue. As far as open houses are concerned, anyone walking around, I've yet to see it where it does make you dizzy walking around with, a, with a, um, an iPad or whatever, trying to do a virtual open house. So, so I'm not sure that that's uh, the way to go yet. Uh, it, it may, but you know, we've launched 13 listings right now in this, lockdown period 12 out of the 13 have sold they've all done it without open houses so we're pretty convinced that you can sell a house within 10 days without resorting to some of that but um so those aren't the changes that i'm talking about those are those are things we've already had the change i'm talking about the dynamic shift is in listing presentations using zoom as opposed to getting in your car, going to somebody's house, walking the house and, and, um, and that way. So, so the dynamic shift in that is extremely powerful. And I'll tell you why, because there's only so much information you can disseminate to sellers when you're sitting at a table and one person sitting on one side of the table, one's on the other. There's only so much technical stuff you can get through to these clients. Everybody wants to jump to the price, okay? which is understandable. We all want to know what our homes are worth. But, you know, a listing appointment takes an hour and a half or two hours. Well, if a seller could do a Zoom presentation and they only take a half hour to 45 minutes, all you want to hear is what's your pricing strategy? What's your marketing plan? I don't want to hear about you. I don't want to hear about your, your company. I want to know what your track record is, obviously. But I don't care about the company. Um, you know, the top 10 realtors or the top, yeah, top 10 realtors in Vienna, they come from eight different companies. So all the companies have top producers. You hire <clears> realtors, <throat> you don't hire companies. So, you know, you're able to interview a realtor in a half hour time. That's a big deal. Now, another big deal is when you're sitting down with an elderly couple and they have three children around the country or around the world. In a Zoom presentation, we can bring all of the kids, all of the dependents, in, not dependents, but all of the siblings into the Zoom presentation where they have a better read on today's marketing plan, the pricing strategies, whereas maybe an older couple or an elderly couple may not understand the new technology and how it's used, um, but the kids do. So we can tie in kids, busy clients. The husband's in one office in D.C., the wife's in another office in Alexandria, tie them all together. I mean, for busy couples, you don't all have to be at the house at the same time. 
And for me, I do appointments at 11 o'clock or two o'clock. That's it. So I don't do night appointments. There's too much activity going on and everybody's worn out from a day's worth of work. So, so this means that I can expand the hours that we do our listing presentations to accommodate the buyers or the sellers even better. So, you know, it helps us expand territories. It helps us help other agents price their houses. So the real big news is the Zoom listing presentations have opened up a whole new world for not only the sellers, but the agents themselves. So instead of driving around to listing appointment and listing appointment, I'm, I'm managing the portfolio. I'm looking at home inspections. I'm looking at pricing models. I'm looking at contracts. I'm looking at, you know, predictive analysis um, of how many contracts can I expect? I mean, we can now literally predict how many contracts we're gonna get before we list the house. So by this extra time allowing us to really beef up that coming soon period, it is amazing what we can do. So, so it's freed up our time, energy, and money to, to manage the portfolio. And at this case, at this stage, um, we have 31 out of 33 of our properties have sold, even in this, crazy market and 85% have sold in the first 10 days. So I'm very happy about this new system of educating sellers online. And I'm going to show you in a minute and we're going to walk through it, but I'm going to show you some information zoom style that we do at listing presentations that will blow your mind. And, and I will, I, I even thought about it this way. The next 45 minutes could save you $2,000 a minute. What I'm about to say could save you $10,000. And I'll show you 28 cases of people that really wish they had this information before they listed their house. So, so let's get going. So the big change, I wanna welcome Billy to the, to the show. Billy, you out there? What's up guys, how you doing? How are you, man? I wanna turn up your volume. I can just barely hear you, brother. You hear me? Uh, yeah, a little bit, a little bit. So, so I've asked Billy to come on with me. We're gonna go through this, this presentation online with you. Uh, Zoom style, and um, there you go, hey buddy. Um, and this is the kind of thing that you would see at a listing presentation. So let's go ahead and let's share the screen. This is the really big deal here, is when you share a screen, when you share a screen with a seller or whoever, you can get through information that we could have never done sitting next to us with three or four people sitting around the table. So this is some really powerful stuff. And, and this, is, this is a forever thing. This is not a, well, when the uh, virus is gone, we'll go back to the old ways. There are no old ways. This is only the new way. And this is the way it's going to be done. So let's start with what our goal is in today's real estate market. Our goal is to get some, this house under contract in 10 days. And if you look at this chart, the buyers come in ready to go in the first 10 days. In fact, after 10 days, they think there's something wrong with the house. So the, the first 10 days provide the biggest contracts. They provide the highest prices. You know, multiple contracts means best terms. So we really wanna focus in today's market on getting this sold in the first 10 days. And don't forget that because if we don't get it done in the first 10 days, we're gonna lose $1,000 a day. Now, I know that sounds like a lot of money, but really, if you look at some of these charts, 
it's $2,000 a day. Because we would normally say that the purple line up there is the price per square foot you get after the first 10 days or within one to 10 days of selling your house. So then we would show the green line, which is homes to sell in 91 to 120 days. Why do we pick that area? Because the average home over a million dollars in one of our main markets, which is Vienna, McLean, Oakton, the average time on the market for those homes is 113 days. So if your homes last 113 days, you're gonna lose 10% of its value. And a million dollar home, that's $1,000 a day. But what I found, because I'm not running around going to listing appointments all the time, I'm doing them online. I was curious and I said, well, I wonder what the price per square foot is sold after 31 to 60 days. Now, if you look at the, the teal green line, it shows that you lose that 10% in the first 30 to 60 days. Now, this is very, very important to know. So if you lose, if you lose 10% of the value of this million dollar house in the first 30 to 60 days, let's call it 50 days. Let's say the average is 50 days. Then you lose $2,000 a day when your house is on the market. $2,000 a day. Again, average days on market is 113 in Vienna over a million dollars. So that's a scary proposition to think of. I can't afford to lose $2,000 a day. I don't know any of my clients that can afford to lose $2,000 a day. So this is a serious number. Casey. Oh, yeah, Bill. We always talk about uh, time, money, and energy as well. So, um, you know, it, it is $2,000 a day, but it's also, you know, all of the energy and worrying and angst and time in and out of your house, open houses whenever we had open houses. Um, so, yeah, I mean, the $2,000 a day is a, is an eye-opening amount of money. Um, but it's also, you know, the angst of, you know, having your home sit on the market for 50 to 150 days. Well, and Billy, you're going to see that, that I'm going to show you here in a second, that once you get to 100 days, you're so beat up, you're so tired, that you're willing to take it just to get the heck out of the house. Yeah. yeah. It's not a good experience. We have come to sellers that have been on the market, rightly so, Billy, after four or five or six months with another realtor. Well, um, Verna was a perfect example. And they literally, this should have been a great time for them to sell this beautiful, gorgeous house and move out to San Francisco. And, and they were dragged through the mud for two years. And literally, they have no energy. Or as you say, Billy, it's just their will to go on is, is over. So, so let's just focus and make sure that we don't become a 100-day-on-the-market house. Now, there's two major traps that everybody needs to know about. Again, if it weren't for Zoom, we wouldn't be having this conversation because it would be difficult to communicate this kind of information to you, especially to sellers. Two major traps that we need to look at when it, that are going to prevent us from selling in the first 10 days. Trap number one. There's an article written by Ken Harney in the Washington Post, and he's a national, uh, national uh, uh, journalist. And to be honest with you, I've been reading Ken Harney articles since the 80s. So... What he's saying is that hungry agents are bad news because they need the listing, they want the listing, they want to advertise it in newspapers, they want to uh, you know, put signs up. They like, I mean, there are some agents that just wanna have their signs up on the roads all over the place. That's their best advertising. 
They get buyer calls. They do open houses. So, so getting a listing is powerful for these agents. So they're so hungry for that listing, they're willing to tell a, buy, a seller that the home is not worth 1.5. I mean, Weatherburn Station. I put up Weatherburn Station and went in and met with the seller and said, this home is really, we're pushing it at 1.5. We really need to work hard and read the market before we launch. So another agent walked in and listed it for 1.7. Two hundred thousand. This is not unusual. I see it all the time. Down here in the yellow line, Vale Road, uh, the sellers called me, and I went in and said it's worth one point two five. That's where we should list it. Maybe we get a little bit more. Maybe, but we can sell it the first ten days and maybe get some bidding going on. So the seller called me up and said another agent told me it's worth one point five five million. And these are his exact words, and I'll never forget as long as I live. You know, Casey, I want to list with you, but I can't afford to lose $300,000. I said, well, it's not worth $300,000 more. I mean, that's just, that's a hungry agent. So anyways, um, obviously it didn't sell in 155 days. They put it back on the market for 1.299. Still haven't learned their lesson. And it eventually sold for 1.100. So $1.1 million from the number I quoted 160, 180 days ago, it fell $150,000. Could have sold it for 1.25 plus, maybe get that thing up to 1.275. But instead they lost that $150,000. So what I'm saying is most of the houses on this list have experienced the exact same thing. Only 12% of the homes on this list sold and the ones that did sell, sold at a loss of about $1,000 a day. Now, let's flip that around. If I'm working with a buyer, I'm looking at houses that have been on the market for a long time. I'm looking for agents that overpriced a house, okay? So maybe this is in the best interest of a buyer to go after these houses. Somebody just got a $1.25 million house for $1.1 million. So it is systemic. It is not a, these are not the only agents that did. And by the way, if I remove that white shield right there, you can see that these are some pretty well-known agents. They, if you open up the newspaper and you see the full page, I'm one of Sun Gazette's favorite realtors, best realtors. They want to advertise houses. So our first trap is hungry agents. So at this point, I'm going to say something and I want everybody to remember this. It is not the what, it is the how. It is not the what is my house worth. It is the how did you arrive at that? And we're going to get to a lot of that, that in a second. So, so here's the good thing. Here's the good news. The good news is, you know, if you go to a doctor or a lawyer, they don't keep records of how many cases they won and how many cases they lost. They can't tell you if they operate on 20 shoulders, were they successful in 20 out of 20 or only 10 out of 20. But the good news is that realtors keep score. We have an MRIS system or an MLS system called Bright MLS, and it tracks Every time we put a house on the market, it keeps score, good score. All days on market, cumulative days on market, you can't withdraw a listing and then bring it back out and, and not see that those days have been on it. So, so, this, so when you bring a realtor in, all you really wanna see is show me your inventory, show me your track record. So not over the past 35 years, I'm talking about what is your track record recently? My dad was in the Brooklyn Dodge organization for about eight years and 
He always told me, you're only as good as your next at bat. You're only as good as your next at bat. So don't tell me about the past. Tell me about what's going on right now. So here's some concerning things about the inventory I would see with this famous realtor. If you look over here, these are the active listings. There's a lot of active listings. This one's under contract. So out of all these that are open, only one's under contract. These have been sold and these were expired. Now I go back 160 days when I'm checking inventory. So I recommend you ask your realtor, give me all your actives, all your closed sales in the last 160 days, expired, withdrawn, and canceled. And that will give you a good picture. So the concerning thing about this is only 10% of the houses, she listed 75 million, she sold 10%. And of the 10%, remember how that 10 days is so important? These are the days on market of the houses. I mean, that's the days on market. So not one house sold in that period of time when the sellers are in control and can dictate price and terms and things like that. When they really have the leverage, not one of these, whatever, let's call it 70, 50 deals, did they accomplish that? So, so ask them for their inventory, quick and easy solution, so you don't get trapped by the hungry agent, okay? We present our uh, inventory at every listing presentation. Um, very proud of it. Uh, if you look here, unlike the other one, you'll see that most of these houses are all pending. We have one active, and this was at the time I took this snapshot about a week ago. So all of these are pending one active, all of the rest have closed. We've had one withdrawal that was a rest in condo. Um, but look at the days on market for the listings that sold. So the average days for homes we launched in 2020, even with the virus, the yellow homes are all homes that were launched during the virus period. So still selling for four to eight days, still getting above list price, still getting multiple contracts. I mean, Sawdust was after the lockdown. Nobody knew what was going on. And we brought that out at 1.15 million and it sold for 1.2 million. So that's what I'm saying. The open houses, which we like to have because it gives us more information. We don't mind doing the work, but it gives us more information. You know, are they really necessary to sell them within the first 10 days, get multiple contracts and, and bid the price up? The answer to that is no. Okay, but it does give us some insight that we like to have. So 31 of 33 of our houses are sold or under contract. 85% sold within the first 10 days, which is that optimal time. And again, if you're interviewing three or four agents, you can ask this of every agent. You know, maybe there's somebody with a better uh, um, track record than we have. But let me tell you this, that we list a lot of pretty good sized houses. In fact, our top 10 houses for the past year average $1.8 million. So we're not listing small houses. We're listing pretty good sized houses. So, um, you know, that's the kind of track record that, that, you know, we make sure that we can achieve because all of these sellers, very happy. Your home is on the mark for 150, 200 days. It's not going to end well. Now, that was the first trap, which was the hungry agents. Here's a bigger trap. The bigger trap is 
Everybody relies now on artificial intelligence. You put your address into a website and it's gonna tell you what your home is worth. That is very bad. And, and I'm telling you, it is so distracting and it is a trap. It traps you into overpricing your house. And then you're in that plus 100 days, 115, 120 days on the market and you're at the mercy of the market. So, so I'm gonna show you, I'm not gonna tell you, I'm gonna show you that the difference between artificial intelligence and its track record and authenticated intelligence, which is what we use, which we, we authenticate the data on the houses. We make our own models. We make sure we check everything. It's a very cumbersome process, but you have to be curious when you're pricing a house. I'm gonna show you how that works here in a second. All right, so let's look at some examples of artificial intelligence. This is a home on Broad Run um, over in, in Fairfax. So RPR, Realtor Property Resource, said that it was worth $756,000. I thought the home was worth about eight twenty-five. dollars The seller thought the home was worth eight twenty-five. dollars If I walked in and said, here's a 28-page report from RPR that says it's worth $756,000, she'd have thrown you out the door. So they have really, in my opinion, underestimated that house. Now, the home was in a neighborhood of 700s, so I felt that we couldn't ask 825 because nobody was looking for 825. So we did list it for 799. Our estimate was 825, so we felt we'd get multiple contracts and bid it up. So we had seven contracts. The final contract came in at 852, very limited contingencies, no home inspection. It was just for informational purposes only. So RPR, artificial intelligence was off by $100,000 of what the final price would be. So we're looking for consistency of who can we depend on to tell us what our thing. In this case, it's a realtor that you can depend on, not artificial intelligence. Realtor.com was off by 75,000 bucks. HomeSnap's off by $75,000. Zillow is off by, by $50,000, 52,000. So, so this is, you know, there are other cases and, and these are, all I did was pick the top three. That's all I did. I said, give me the last three ones that settled, throw them up here. Check this one out. This is 1000 Park Street. Our estimate was $975,000. Now imagine walking in talking to the seller after he's looked at HomeSnap and, um, and Realtor.com that are saying his home is worth $1,092,000. RPR, which is what a lot of realtors use, say it was worth $1,000,000. I can't even see what that is. It looks like 82 or 85,000. So in my opinion, they're off by like $100,000. And I've got to deal with a seller who's looking at these numbers saying, how can you authenticate that it's worth? Now, luckily we could prove to the seller it was worth 975 if we're lucky because it doesn't have any upgrades. And, but the house sold for 965,000. So again, the artificial intelligence is off by 120 to $130,000. Last one is Sawdust that we talked about before. Sawdust, Zillow had it at 1,075,000. We felt it was worth 1.2 million. Zillow is off by 125,000 bucks. So I guess my point is that sometimes it's low, sometimes it's high, 
but artificial intelligence is unreliable and you can't bank on it. And that is your second trap. And it's a massive trap. If that seller didn't listen and put it on for 975, if we couldn't authenticate this data and he went out at 1,075, or the way they'll normally think is, well, we'll, we'll split the difference and come out at a million fifty. Well, that would have been a disaster. So, so authenticated, authenticating data, authenticated intelligence is far superior to artificial intelligence. And that is a trap. Just one more you can watch. Is that home right there? RPR says that home. Let me get this out of my way. RPR says the home is worth 1.617. Realtor.com says it's worth 1.447. And Zillow says it's about worth $1.5 million. So we're going to list this house next Thursday. And it's going to come out at... It's going to come out at $1.6 million. Now I'm going to sell that home within 10 days. And I'm taking an ad out in the Sun Gazette. And I'm gonna, I'm gonna absolutely bet 250 Vienna and Chili Dogs that I can sell that house within 10 days for $100,000 more than Zillow says it's worth. That's authenticated intelligence. That's how much confidence we have when this thing goes on the market. And if anybody is looking for something to watch the difference, is it 1.5, is it 1.447, which is what realestate.com is? Or is it 1.6, which Casey Sampson team says it's worth? Well, let's find out. We're going to find out on Thursday. Okay, let's talk about authenticating intelligence. This is the right way to price a house, okay? We need to talk about pricing, strategy, and then in another, the next Coffee with Casey, we're going to do the, um, the final part of that and how you market it and how we know what it's going to sell for before it even sells. But let's, let's authenticate the data here. Defining characteristics. What are the defining characteristics of a house? It's your age, it's your size, it's the assessment of your home, okay? And it is, let me get everybody out of the way here. And then the last one is that size of its lot, okay? So so these are, these are things that you can't get away from. I'm a 2013 year old house, I got 4,500 square feet above grade. I have a half acre lot and I'm assessed for 1.53. That's, these are the building blocks we start working on when we're defining a house. When I search for homes, all I do is I say, go out one mile, go back 160 days like I did with those realtors. And then your size can be plus or minus 20%. So let's say I've got a 2,500 square foot house. I'll search anywhere from 2,000 square feet to 3,000 square feet. And let's say it was built 1985. So I'll go between 1975 and 1995. And I'll gather all those houses within one, one mile that go back 160 days. And then we'll run it. And that's what's called the age and size model. Now, here's one that I just did. <clears throat> And all I'm doing on this, I know this looks complicated, it's not. All it is is a simple spreadsheet that says, here's its sole price, here's its assessment, and here's the size. The rest is just good information for me to know. So I take the sole price, I divide it by the 
square footage and I get the price per square foot. I take the sales price and I uh, divide it by the assessment and I get what is the average home sell for as a percentage of their assessment. In this case, $306 a square foot, $110, 110% of its assessment. So if you look down on the bottom, there's a difference between the price per square foot of 306, which is right here and right here, and this number here. And the difference is if your house is bigger, then this price per square foot goes down. If your house is smaller, then the price per square foot goes up. There's a little ratio here that we have to correspond, but what that means is, see this home is 10% smaller than the comps. So I can punch it up a little bit. So I, I do have an algorithm for that, but the more houses that we can get, the more houses that we can put in the model samples, then the better it's going to be, okay? So the more accurate my models, the more numbers I have. So let's say this is 825. The next model I'm gonna do up here underneath it is threshold. That's the big one. So I would go out and say, well, if give me all the houses that sold or that were listed between 750 and 875, give me that group because that's the buyer pool and let me know how my house stacks up to those houses. So I run a bunch of models. Now, then I take it all into one place and this is what the sellers actually see. So I'm gonna give you a second. And what we're gonna do is we're going to, as an audience and, and Billy and I, and we're gonna figure out what this house is worth based on the information we have on this sheet. So our defining characteristics are up here. Our search criteria is right here, school districts included. The determination is that the price per square foot is $155 a square foot. That's their square footage. So it must be worth somewhere around 932,000. The percentage of homes in this area are 1,107. Multiply times the assessment, that brings us to 922,000. So if we look at these, just these two numbers, what does that tell us? We're looking at about $925,000. So I'm starting to close in on a number. So now I look at what's called the growth rate and say, if you bought this in 2011, and let's see, when they, yeah, 2011, and those houses in that area of that size grew 16%, well, what is your purchase price plus times 116%? 900,000, red flag just went up. Why is that not 925? So now I'm curious. All right, the last legitimate comp I can get in your neighborhood was 887. What's the appreciation rate since it sold? Zero. So compared to that house, I'm worth 887. So now I do have a red flag up. Why, why, is, why is the neighborhood selling for less than the 925? Because the average home in the whole area is 600,000 bucks. So if we go over 900,000, we're gonna lose like 85% of our buyer pool. So, so what is making this, you know, why are we lower than 900? And then I looked at it and said, well, the defining characteristic is it has eight, eight to 10 acres. Let's just look at the big houses. So 25% of the big houses sold. 
The others withdrew unsold. What does that tell you? Hard market to do. Took 111 days for the ones that did sell. So that's a really tough market if you got a, a house that has that big a lot. Then we compared it to homes that had half acre lots. Well, they didn't do very, very much better. They were still 51%, which is not good, and 69 days, which is really not good. So, but those houses are more popular than our big lots. So now I'm getting, now I get it. The average comp has a half acre lot. We have an eight acre lot. So that's why it's under 900,000. So at this point, we're starting to focus in on the fact that it's really should be under $900,000. And I don't think there's any doubt in my mind. Now, now we're going to, I'm going to talk about what we do after this model, but as far as these numbers are concerned, they're saying, unless there's something extraordinary about that house that we don't know, it better come in under 900,000. One other key stat, Casey. Just no, you need to turn up your volume. I can just barely hear you. Maybe it's me. Yeah. Okay, go ahead. Can you hear me? Yep. Now I got you. Yeah. Okay, cool. Um, one of the key stats here, um, along with uh, looking at, you know, the size and the lot and everything is what's currently going on in, in your market, right? And as you can see underneath the customary value based on pricing threshold, one mile radius, there's zero under contract and there's three actives. So, I mean, that's not a very good market. So if you were to go over 900, you're shooting yourself in the foot. And on top of it, you're, you're competing against three homes and none of them are under contract. I mean, we would be dead in the water if, if you missed big here. So, so this is all important. What Billy's talking about is this area right here, okay? And what we do is we look at everything, pricing threshold, one mile radius, under contracts, actives, withdrawn. And what Billy's saying is that you've got a couple houses that are active right now. Now, compared to them, we would be out at 982000 So what that tells me is that they are overpriced that these homes that are active are overpriced. I'm really not worried about them that much, but they are overpriced. Here's our two models telling us 925,000. And again, the best thing a realtor can be is curious. And it's like, it's like I always say, it's kind of like Joe Kenda and Homicide Hunter. He's always curious about what's going on and give me evidence. And this evidence tells me that we need to be down here. Now look at here, this is the websites. Remember that RPR that's telling realtors, giving them guidance? It's saying the house is worth $1.072 million. We know it's 900,000. That's what it says it is. Again, it's not the what, it's the how did you arrive at that number? Zillow says it's worth 985,000. Look at the ones that are on the market. Look at what they're on the market for. So. I guess my point is that artificial intelligence is the most dangerous thing for sellers. Artificial intelligence can cost you $100,000, then cause you to overprice your house. It causes the house to sit on the market. We know that it drops 10% within the first 30 to 60 days. You must use authenticated intelligence. You must have a realtor that's using authenticated intelligence. As a part of your half hour, Pricing strategy, don't give me the price. Tell me how you're going to arrive or how you arrive at the price. And let's look at one of these summaries to find out and come to the conclusion. And of course, a realtor walked in and said, hey, your house is worth uh, 
975. Wonder where he got that number from. So the seller says, I'll tell you what, let's just list it at 950. Okay. Hey, but you've just eliminated 85% of your market. You're $50,000 over and you're now on your 52nd day or 32nd day on the market. So, so destined to, destined to fail because of artificial intelligence and combination of a hungry agent. So, so we really want to make sure that we know how. So a pricing strategy is you must drive, the list price is designed to drive traffic to the house. You need to stay under major thresholds because the buyer pool under a million is five times bigger than it is over a million. And if you go over a $100,000 threshold from you know, 899 to 925, you just lost 80% of your mark. So for every time you go over a major threshold, you lose a massive amount of market, okay? As you can see, one problem with Zoom is if you have dogs, they're gonna interrupt you from time to time, but we can get over that. So we're gonna stay under major thresholds. We're gonna sell in the first 10 days that you can hear the wife try to keep the dogs quiet. It's, it's not a distraction at all, actually. Um, so, so one of the strategies is we need to sell within that first 10 days, stay under the major thresholds. We need to test the buyer reaction. So, so let's, I'm going to explain right now, and I, I'm not going to get into the charts of it and all, but when Billy and I list a house or anyone and I list a house on the Casey Sampson team, it goes into a coming soon status. We market the heck out of it to renters, realtors, and online. We use geofencing to target our buyers and make sure that we have just the right, just the right market. During that period, people are going to favor the house. They're gonna look at it and they're gonna favor it. Now, depending on how many people look at it and how many people favor it, tell us whether we're gonna sell the house or not. I had one house, $750,000, that only had 22 people. Now we're expecting 250. So 22 people actually opened up the listing. Nobody favored it. So immediately, we knew we had a problem. We adjusted the price down. We got a little bit bigger market and more likes, and enough to launch the listing at 725. I would have launched it at 699. The seller would have none of it. But if you wanted the best one, you should have gone at 699. Billy and I just did it. The, Billy, you and I just did the exact same thing with the listing, right? Yeah. Windriff. Yes. It, we knew it was going to sell over 700,000. The, the neighborhood was basically in the 600s. Mm -hmm. So we put it on for 699, multiple contracts, sold for what? 719. 719. So we got a $20,000 buffer with multiple contracts, uh, favorable terms for sellers. So we got 719. Now the other house, instead of going to that 699, the seller wanted to make sure that we were still in the seven. So we went 725. It did go almost 10 days. And I think we got um, either 710 or 715. So it was stressful, it was difficult. The home inspections were more difficult. Um, so we all try to get to one place, but our strategy is, at least know the buyer pool that you're dealing with 
and know how many people like it prior to launching that listing. Once you've launched the listing, you're set for 30 days. We can't really drop prices all over the place after we've launched the listing. We're trying to create that multiple contract environment. We're trying to get the highest and best bids. Here's a, here's a question you can ask any realtor you talk to. Do you do escalation clauses? If the realtor says, oh yes, they're very effective, get another realtor. Because what happens is, let's say Billy has this contract and I think it, it would have played out exactly right in your, in your deal, Bill. Yeah, we actually did have an escalation clause on one of the contracts. Um, and I don't know if you want me to get into the specifics of this. Um, but yeah, we, we had a couple contracts come in um, over 700. They weren't that far over 700. One contract included an escalation clause, which would have only put us uh, $2,000 over the next contract which would have been 707, I think, 707. Okay. Uh, and then we actually, uh, you know, we went back, we told them, hey, we're not going to do escalation clauses, just highest and best offer. Um, there's multiple people bidding on it. So two contracts actually bid against themselves up to 718 and 719. Right. So, um, yeah, I mean, we, we, we made our client, uh, you know, $12,000 by using that technique. And that's not unusual we had one at 750 where uh, everybody was at 755 escalation clause uh, would have brought a contract to seven 757 no escalation clause come back with your highest and best offer they said okay 790 all cash no contingencies deal so the only way you can get 20 or 30 thousand over the next highest bid is to do highest and best offers and get the best terms by multiple contracts and that's where the big boys come in um, now that the home is settled on um, on um, sawdust I can tell you that the home sold for $40,000 higher than the next closest bid 40,000 higher that is what highest and best offer so we're talking about a pricing strategy we need to make sure we know about what the traps are avoid the traps authenticate our data, get the right price, get it in the right threshold, test that data, test that buyer pool prior to launch, make sure we are in it, we know we're gonna get contracts. And then when they come in, then we start going highest and best offer, we have all the leverage and away we go. So, so, so right this second, and I said I was gonna make you $2,000 a minute, on this thing we've been talking for i don't know how long let's call it 40 minutes if you avoid the hungry agents and you avoid the artificial data and you avoid the average time on market of 113 days and you have a million dollar house right and you would lose a thousand dollars a day or two thousand dollars a day so i just saved you fifty to a hundred thousand dollars fifty to a hundred thousand dollars divided by 40 minutes is, is about $1,500 a minute, we would save you. So, so this is a big step. There's a, there's a dynamic change in what's happening in real estate right now. So you need to be thoughtful, you need to be educated. And again, if your parents, and, and let me just expand this a little bit. If I have an elderly couple and I get their kids all over the place, 
if you have a mother or father that's selling a house in Detroit or they're selling a house in Naples, Florida, we can reach out and talk to them, interview realtors, and make sure they get with the right realtor. So often someone will come to me and say, yeah, my parents' house has been on the market for two years. Wrong. Absolutely wrong. So we can get on Zoom calls with these agents down there. First of all, find the top three listing agents. Find the Casey Sampson team that authenticates data and works in their area. So we go out, we reach them, we find the right one, refer the client to that realtor anywhere in the country. Because we know the difference between somebody that relies on artificial data, which we saw as garbage. We know how to check a track record and we know how they authenticate data. So, so these are the agents we're looking for, not just in Northern Virginia, but around the country. You know, if you have somebody that needs help, friends don't let help, friends don't let friends make mistakes in real estate because if they do, it's going to cost them a lot of money. So you can give us a call and you can refer them to us. But as far as listing your home, let's just make sure we avoid the two traps. We use authenticated data and we have the correct pricing strategy. Did I miss anything, Billy? Uh, I think this was the, just a level 100 class. Um, if you wanted to get into 200 to 300 level stuff, we can, we can do that. But we can go there too. I, think, uh, I think for an overview and giving a good update on what it's like selling in 2020, um, I think this is what's, you know, this is great. Also, you know, with, with COVID out there right now, um, things are still moving. Uh, you know, I don't want to give too much of a market update, um, but things are still moving. I mean, we still have multiple contracts on homes. Uh, the traffic might be down, viewings might be down, um, but we're still getting multiple contracts. If it's priced correctly, if it's in the right condition and marketed correctly, I mean, things are still moving. So it's a scary time, but, um, you know, I think that uh, the, the real estate market is still moving, which is good. Um, and hopefully uh, everyone's staying safe and uh, we can get through this together. Well, I'll tell you, Billy, I'll take that one step further is sellers that smart sellers are selling now because right. the inventory is coming. And the one thing that bothers me as a listing agent, I'm always trying to get leverage from my clients, is if we get a massive amount of listings in June, now we've lost the leverage. Buyers have multiple houses to pick from. And for that matter, I think smart buyers are out there right now. Yeah. I mean, instead of competing with 12 contracts, they're competing with four and they're at least competitive, you know, and they can get these houses. So, so I think that, that smart buyers and sellers are in the market, but let me quickly expand on what you just said. The Zoom meeting is the first half. The next half is when we dispatch somebody like Billy or Morgan or Colby or Pat or uh, Pam or Kelly, after we do this meeting, they will come to your house. They will assess the condition, the upgrades of your house, what needs to be done in order to get that house completed. That is the, I guess you caught the 200 series billing. Yeah, that's a, that's a right, second. So that'll be 200. So, so shortly after this selling in 2020, we'll call this part one. And, uh, and part two is coming probably within the next week. So it coincides with our training of Samson property agents. But, um, but that is a big step. You know, what's a finished basement worth? What's a walkout basement worth? Uh, how do you uh, spruce up a house? How do you take it from transitional to traditional, from traditional to transitional? What are the current colors? What are the current electrical fixtures we need to have? How do we get rid of the gold? What do we do with the hardware? All of that 
is in the 200 series that we'll do next time. So I hope you understand the difference. I hope you'll be able to save money, avoid the traps, know how to authenticate your data, or at least find a realtor that does. And think hard. If you have friends or family outside in this area and they need some help, Zoom, these Zoom meetings that I can have with their agents are extremely effective because we know the questions to ask. So my name is Casey Sampson. I run the Casey Sampson team. Billy Sampson is with me here uh, today. You can reach me at Casey at CaseySampson.com or my phone number is 703-508-2535 or you can see all this good stuff at CaseySampson.com. Julie is a master. Julie is a master at articulating what we do on our website and in our marketing, social media. And Michelle is a master of communications. She's the one that's put all this together and, uh, and made this happen. So when I say Casey Sampson team, I definitely mean team because it is a lot of people doing, doing a lot of work like Billy and Michelle and our, Billy and Michelle and Kelly and Morgan and Pat and everybody else uh, to make this happen. So if you need me, give us a call. Billy, we're going to get you at. 703-380-0255 is myself. And we just uh, like to say thank you for listening and look forward to talking to you guys. Thanks, everybody. We hope you learned something. We'll see you next time on Coffee with Casey. Goodbye.